millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast about watching soccer on TV and online. Welcome to episode 171. Coming up on this week's show, the world anxiously awaits the return of the Bundesliga. We've got the dates for when the other major leagues return. How Fox has ballsed up German soccer's return before it's even started. And big news for fans of the US women's national team. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and this week I'm joined by a special co-host. Kartik is still with us, but he's not on the podcast this week. We've got the one and only Gary O'Reilly. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? Hey, Chris, thank you. What a build-up. Thank you very happy. (laughs) I I was thinking about this, Gary. There's probably probably four categories of people that know you in different ways. There's probably... A bunch of old timers like myself who remember you from uh, the playing days in the 1980s, uh, playing for <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, even Birmingham City, I think, on, on loan, and of course uh, Crystal Palace. And yeah. then, and then there's the category of people who probably remember you as a co-commentator through through many of the glory years of the Premier League in the what 1990s and into the, the noughties, I, w- I would imagine. Yes, from the from the early noughties, um, <laughs> when it was XFM, and then it became Sirius XS, XM, and you know through radio, we used to do a lot of uh, Premier League broadcasts for, for for radio over here in the US, and then obviously onto TV. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the TV, they, so the the audience that watched uh, Fox Soccer Channel a lot back in its heyday. Uh, would have remembered you and probably Steve Banyard, especially on uh, the, late, the late game on Saturdays. You seem to always be on that one, uh, as well as many other games too, but a very familiar voice to a lot of listeners who grew up uh, watching uh, soccer or football on television in the States. Then the, then the third category is the uh, Neil deGrasse. I mean, so the, the science uh, podcast that you do with Neil and, and uh, colleagues, uh, which... Uh, yeah. Which is actually quite quite different for I mean because there will be people that will remember you or remember your voice through there too. 
Um, well, I hope they're still listening to it. It's the podcast is Star Talk Sports Edition, and if you're familiar with the astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, you'll know he is a wonderful asset to to everybody in just his way of seeing things. His his unbelievable knowledge, and then we sort of sit him down and we throw sports at him. Um, sometimes quite literally. Uh, <laughs> we, we rec- no, seriously, Chris, we recently had him in the ring with the WWE wrestler. Oh, wow. Wow, that would yeah, be... And, How did that and go? The good news, that, well, the good news for everybody is that they threw me over the ropes and out the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. I'm not kidding. They did. We, uh, you don't have to be a big fan of WWE, but what it, what it did teach me and this is the whole thing about the, sh- the podcast I, you know, I co-host and I produce, is that I want people to go away having enjoyed what we've done, but having learned something along the way. And it, there's so much science in it. It is sport. There, there is an amazing amount of athleticism. And we look at things in that way. So we'll look at soccer, we'll look at American football, tennis, golf, baseball, you name it. We will find science in it and hopefully give everybody an even greater appreciation of what athletes are capable of doing what they haven't even begun to think they can do yet and uh, move on from there anyway and, 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 and then we have the fourth category gary that probably people have no idea who you are <laughs> that, that don't belong to those other three categories but but hopefully we'll by the end of this podcast uh we'll, we'll fall in love with, with your dulcet tones oh there is <laughs> there is a large percentage of the population of who the hell is he and I, I get that. I totally get that. So if you are listening to this and you are one of those people, nice to meet you. Um, hopefully you'll understand a little bit more about me by the time we've finished the show. So, so usually we talk about what we've been watching on television or streaming uh, for football. Uh, there ha- obviously, there hasn't been a lot on for us to talk about, uh, but we have been watching some of the classic matches. We've watched some... Um, Actually, last week I watched the Korean League. So the Korean League kicked off uh, last Friday live on YouTube and Twitter. And that was a surreal experience because you had uh, the K-League restarting. Uh, you had Simon Hill doing the commentating, who is a mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, based in Australia. I think it's worked a lot with Fox Sports. He was commentating the game. It sounded like it was from his bathroom. Uh, it was just a very, very, very echoey. Oh, what a great idea to sit in the bar <laughs> with a microphone, watching, watching football and commentating. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, you've mentioned that and you put that thought in my head. That's exactly how I want to do it from now on. <laughs> and, and the game itself wasn't that great. It was uh, a rain-soaked uh, South Korean night and uh, Jeon Buk against uh, Suwon and uh, ended up being a 1-0 win for Jeon Buk. Um, but it was it was live football, and, and it was the first time, other than the the Belarus Premier League, uh, which I've watched a few of those games, it, it felt like a real game. I thought this was going to be a game where they actually had the fans in the stadium because South Korea's a lot further along in terms of coming back from the coronavirus. With you know, they're still, they're still struggling. They've, they've had to shut down certain things, nightclubs yeah. and stuff, because of uh, you know little outbreaks. What's funny is I, well, a while ago now. I did the co-commentary on North Korea versus South Korea. It was a World Cup qualifier, and it was played in Shanghai on a neutral ground. 
with a sum total of just about nobody in the stadium. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I've from the commentary point of view, I've done these games already. From a playing point of view, you would quite often play in empty stadiums when back in the day, and I can go back in the day, um, we as reserve teams, not under 23 or development squads, the reserve teams would play against other teams in the main stadium. Mm-hmm. And for a reserve team game on a Saturday afternoon while the first team was away, there was one man and no dog. Right. There was no, yeah. yeah. So you're, you are used to playing in those kind of environments uh, as much as you didn't sign up to play to empty houses. That was the gig at the time. Uh, what you learn is once you go into a packed stadium, and if I can sort of unlock this as a, as a process for our listeners, mm-hmm. You get used to a sea of faces. You don't recognize them, but you get used to the sound, the smell, everything about them. And when you take yourself out and put yourself back into an empty stadium, you receive a pass, you move it out of your feet, you go to look up, and you're thinking, right, you know what you want to do. It's a short pass, it's a long pass, it's a chip, whatever. You realize there are no fans there. Yep. And for a split second, it hits you. For a split second, you are taken aback by the fact there is something wrong with this picture. And it's weird. And then you kind of, as the game progresses, you kind of, the brain now has adjusted. They're not here, fine, we get on with our thing. The other thing is you can do something incredible. You dribble past someone, stick it through their legs, laugh at them and run around the other side, whatever it is you're doing. Normally, there's an instantaneous reaction from the crowd. Mm-hmm. you get the applause, you get the cheer, you get the roar. And I think, I think psychologists or neuroscientists call it the observer effect. You do that, and there is a sea of silence. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, I mean do you th- right? and it, yeah. that's weird. That's weird. That's another level of messing in your head. Mm-hmm. You've just got over the bump in the road where you've looked up and seen no faces, just empty stands and seats or terraces or whatever it is now you're losing the soundtrack of a game in your own head yeah it's it's going to take a lot of coming to grips with for players yeah especially with the bundesliga kicking off this weekend i mean you've got some world-class footballers uh i mean throughout the bundesliga from all sorts of different countries different backgrounds i think most of these players are not used to playing in empty stadiums though and not like say back in the day where some of the U21 games or the youth-level games uh, might have been played in the empty stadiums. They're probably used to being played at a, you mean, a separate stadium, a youth training pitch or something with... Uh, even even youth football has fans. You I mean, it could be 100 or 50. It's something. You get that reaction. Do, do you think some players will adapt better than others uh, going into this weekend, trying to deal with the they surroundings? Will. They will do. They will adapt. Um, some will find it a bit freakish, but I could say... I don't see that as more as a bump in the road. I mean, imagine the last time Bayern Munich played in front of an empty house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but bearing in mind it's Bayern Munich, bearing in mind these are superb Bundesliga teams, you think they haven't thought about that. They will have gone to their own, to the Allianz Arena, and they're saying, we're playing. Mm-hmm. There will be a full practice match in front of nobody. Yeah. So back in, 
yeah, so just to give you an example, back in the day when Tottenham uh, in the old White Hart Lane demolished the West Stand and built this beautiful new stand, mm-hmm. they took the whole thing out. So one side of White, the old White Hart Lane was complete building site, rubble, cranes, you name it. Yep. To get us used to the fact that that was no longer in our sight, that, that it was all weird, Keith Birkinshaw, the, the manager then, took us to play practice matches, a couple of them at the stadium against the reserves just to get our heads right. Right. Wow. Just, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so that, that, I credit total wisdom for that. And I can't believe in the Bundesliga those guys haven't already played that card and anticipated that these are the problems that will be encountered. Let's take as much of that problem away. And that happened a lot too in the 1980s, especially in England. Um, a lot of those, you know, if you watch any highlights going back, a lot of the grounds were in the middle of uh, refurbishment. You I mean it's not like it's Anfield where they built this whole new, brand new stadium uh, at this. You I mean without tearing down the old one and just were able to, you I mean build it and, and construct it uh, without there being a big gaping hole. Back in the 80s, there were a lot of like ends, you know, especially like, even in the beginning of the Premier League too, in, in the early 90s where they'd be knocking down one end of the stadium, whether it's I mean, Hillsborough or whatever, and they're building and a Chelsea, new... Stamford Bridge was another example. Yeah. They had those big boards behind the goal. Mm-hmm. Crystal Palace did it as well. They put these big, giant boards up behind the goal and just painted them in the club colours and splattered them with logos, right. which is fair enough. It's, it's real estate, advertising, make some money off it while you're losing money on, being, you know, on grounds being developed. Absolutely. And, and so speaking of White Hart Lane, um, so what I've been watching, so I watched the, the Korean League, and then I've been going down this rabbit hole of going onto YouTube, watching these old uh, videos from the 1980s, watching ma- Match of the Day. So yeah. I've got one in front of me right here, which is uh, Tottenham Hotspur against Southampton in the FA Cup, 1983, uh, would have been January the 9th, I think it was, and um, Ozzy Ardiles was supposed to play in this yes. game, they had him on the front of the programme. But I guess they weren't able to get get him uh, cleared in time to to actually get ready for the match. So yeah, so, because he he'd been he he'd moved out to Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, that's right, PSG. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and as such, I I I ended up rooming with Ricky Villa. Oh wow! Because Ozzy, Ozzy and Ricky were no longer the double act. Right. So uh, yeah, I, I, I the game White Hart Lane. Um, if I'm not if I remember right, we won that. I think so. Yeah, it's uh, and I'm actually looking at the team sheet right here. So Ray Clements, uh, Chris Hutton, yes. Gary uh-huh. O'Reilly. Um, remember him? That's right. Mickey Hazard, Steve Perryman. Yep. You had uh, yep. Steve Archibald, uh, Ricky Villa, yep. and a couple of other players. So, so I think there was, uh, and I mentioned too in the, in the actual match of the day. I mentioned that uh, I don't think it was your debut, but I think it was your FA Cup debut. Uh, a 21-year-old named Gary O'Reilly, and they showed a couple of images of, of you getting ready to write pre-match, yeah, just that, warming up. That would have been an F, yeah, that would have been an FA Cup debut because I would have. Uh, here's an interesting fact for you: I made my debut in 1980. This, uh, all right, I'll unwrap this for you just okay. to give you an idea of what it used to be like back in the day. Sure. I am 19 years of age. It's December the 26th. I'm on the bench for Tottenham at White Hart Lane. We are playing because of the gods of the game. I like this, Southampton. Hmm. And this is 
the Laurie McMenemy side with Kevin Keegan, Mick Chan, and all the rest of it. Yep. Dave Watson, Charlie George, they're all in there. I mean, a fabulous Southampton side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first thing I do as a professional player is kick Mick Shannon up in the air. <laughs> um, uh, probably not the shyest teenager you'd ever meet, but that's life. Uh, we finished the game for all December the 26th, is what, so Boxing Day. Now, December the 26th, 1980 was a Friday. Now, you're probably uh, well ahead of me now, all our listeners. We played Norwich away on December the 27th, 1980. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The next day. That's what it used to be like. There was, yeah, you know what? It's Saturday. Boots on. Let's go. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) No rest for the wicked there. You know what? Try telling a 19-year-old kid, you you don't have to do it. No, I'm in. (laughs) Right, right. This is, this is my dream. I'm a Spurs fan. I used to pay to stand at the Paxton Road end at White Hart Lane. You're not stopping me. So, so Gary, what do you think about so when you hear you know, Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp or I mean, I mean, uh, Mauricio Pochettino? I mean, you go down the list in terms of all these managers complaining about the fixture congestion and how many matches are being played. Do you see things differently now in terms of the way that football's played, say back to the 1980s and or, 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 I mean, or do they not have much of an argument there? I absolutely agree with them. Hmm. We were flogged. It's okay for a 19-year-old. At 19 years of age, you can jump to a building, stop trains with one hand, and probably stop bullets. Um, it's, <laughs> that's the mentality you have. And it's the mentality you're, you're so vibrant at that age that, yeah, I, I can understand it. Now, you are asking uh, a player to play with amazing intensity. And the modern game, if I can call it that, is more intense. It is at a faster pace. You are needing to be athletes, Mm -hmm. not just great with the ball at your feet and do this, do that. You are needed to cover ground. You are needed to recover ground and recover to do it all again in X amount of seconds or minutes later. And these assets are precious. And you're tearing them to pieces. Right. You know, a player, a player in training with a GPS tracker will push back a whole load of telemetric data to coaches and to medical staff, but they'll also be given bio data. And this will help a player and a coach to go, you know what, he's about to blow out. Mm-hmm. Get him or her out of the game, out, stop training. You don't play for two games because you're about to explode. You're a red flag. Now, I want you to play for the next three months and I can do that if you rest two games hmm. yeah so well, you yeah. are managing you are managing assets and as we know these assets are precious and I don't mean that in a sarcastic way I mean that in the fact that you are paying them an awful lot of money you have paid an awful lot of money for them why why throw them under the bus right exactly you know yeah protect them work with them get the best out of them you're paying them a lot of money make that money work so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. you. You have to think. I mean, player, why haven't England won a major trophy since 1966? Possibly because mm-hmm. they weren't good enough. I hear a lot of people screaming at me right now, and I'd say there is a point to be made there. Another factor is you, you look at 
how proud the English Premier League is as the, as the most competitive and most talented, but definitely the most competitive league of all the leagues in the world. Mm-hmm. The team in the bottom are going to kick the team at the top's backside. I point you to nothing more than Watford versus Liverpool, not long before the season shut down. All right? Right, yep. It wasn't meant to happen. Guess what it did? It did because this is the English Premier League. And this is what can happen. You don't turn up, hand a team sheet in, say, we'll have our three points now, please. Let's not get our kit dirty. We can all go home. No, you have to earn it. You have to, what I call, reprove your status. And, and, that was, and, and that was the interesting thing, going back to a lot of these match of the days from the 1980s and going down kind of that uh, nostalgia and kind of watching those matches, that, is that I was taken aback by individuals. There, there were individuals with incredible talent, but as a whole, as far as the teams, the teams weren't as strong. They weren't as, uh, as good as, say, teams in, in these days. It, in many ways, it's, it's a different game, different, played at a different speed, different style of play. Um, but I was just surprised by some of the matches, how poor they were. I mean, just in terms of just you mean basic skills in front of goal, in terms of you mean shots going all sorts. You mean not not being even on target, and the quality level for some players, and and those are players probably they've uh, faded off into the distant past. That uh, you mean names I could spat out that nobody would would, would remember. But that was mm. for I me mean, looking back. That that was forget, a big, big difference. Don't, Chris, don't forget we played on occasion, on nothing better than a ploughed field. Right. I can, re- I can remember playing games as a professional player at the highest level in about an inch and a half of mud. Yeah. Yeah. Games that would never be played. Fields that would never be allowed. And yet there they were. We got on and we did our thing. I mean, I back the talent and the athleticism of the players, a majority of the players back in the 80s. What they didn't have around them was the sophistication and structure that these players have today. Mm-hmm. If you'd have given them that, I'll back them. Yeah. I'll back them pound for pound on talent. I'll back them for ability to run. I mean, because it threw up athletes. Couldn't, you can't rise to a, to a level and not have a substantial amount of athleticism. Mm-hmm. You can't rise to a level without an incredible amount of talent. And then uh, there were occasions when those two combined and then you found, you know, you found the phenom. Good and point. they were out yeah. there, you know, players, players that could run all day and had talent to spare. And they, I mean, I watched uh, <laughs> the BBC, I think it was 1983. Here we go, we're, back, we're trapped into 83. <laughs> okay. It was a Friday night game, Manchester United versus Tottenham. It was the first time, if I'm not mistaken, the BBC had shown on Match of the Day a live England top-flight football game. League game, right? Right, right? FA Cup games they would, but league games they'd never done. Ozzy Ardiles, now you mentioned him, returned. Came on as a sub with basically his first touch he scores. Mm-hmm. We pass straight through Man United, pop, in it goes. Also, Alan Brazil gets an overhead kick with an assist from himself, Gio Riley. Um, and and that, was, that was part of the beginning of people understanding what could be served up for television, what a feast could be available. Sometimes, slim pickings. Sometimes, it was leftover Wednesday. 
but sometimes it was a four-course sumptuous a la carte meal. Mm. Game finished 4-2 Man United. Wow. I think, the, the, yeah, the genie was out the bottle. Yeah. And yeah. I, I didn't have a bad game at left back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though we lost 4-2, right. it wasn't a game. It wasn't a game I could pin my my flag to and say, you look how good I was. You lost 4-2. I know, sorry. So the next game, I, I feel I've played really well. The next game we play is Watford away at Vicarage Road. Now, for those of you that don't know Glen Hoddle, I, I direct you to YouTube mm-hmm. and just look at a highlight reel of just what this guy did and imagine that's in a game. How good was he in training? Wow. Yeah, he was that good. Do you remember the sort of Cruyff turn and the chip? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the one. Yeah, yeah. He had a couple like that too. Yeah, this was for Spurs against Watford the next game after the the 4-2 defeat at Old Trafford. Now, Steve Perryman was fit, so therefore I got bumped off the bench and sat in the stands. And I'm not happy because I think I played really well and my performances didn't justify me being dropped as far as I was concerned. And Hoddle scores a goal like that. Mm. I can't knock on the manager's door. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what, yep. what can I say? It's like, <sighs> suck it up, Gary. This is what it's like. Yep. When talent wants to be talent, this is the, this is the outcome. And we had, day, you know, that was the way it was. Um, moving forward, um, 1990. And we just had, in the past couple of days, well, as we're recording this, the 30th anniversary of the FA Cup final, Crystal Palace against Manchester United, mm-hmm. which the first game was a 3-3 draw. But if we take a step further back, just much, not a much, but to Aston Villa, to Villa Park, Crystal Palace played Liverpool. And that was the first semi-final. The second was Oldham versus Manchester United. Mm-hmm. And this was the first Super Sunday. They were being shown back-to-back. And it was the first time the BBC had ever done it. Um, To put it into context, the Saturday was the Grand National horse race, which is always a big deal in the UK. Big TV audience. Nick Faldo won the Masters in Augusta, the golf. Mm -hmm. And then the BBC, on top of that, had Crystal Palace 4-3 and I think... uh, into extra time, and then Oldham Man United was a similar scoreline. First time they'd ever done it. I was already been part of the first BBC live match of the day game, and now here I was in an FA Cup semi-final, the first time they'd ever done a Super Sunday. Wow. That, that's, yeah, I know. And it, was, it wasn't until uh-huh. uh, someone was talking to me about it just recently for, for a newspaper interview that I realised that I was present in both of those moments for TV. Right. And if you think back to 1990, what follows on the heels of that moment is right. the Premier League. That's in, right. Yep. In, in the Premier League TV deal, and all of a sudden, you've got Sky bringing forward Super Sunday. Mm-hmm. A wall of live games. And there we were. That was the test drive. And you, I think the two games threw up something like 13 goals. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's the thing, Gary. 
Yeah, and and that's the thing, Gary, is is that uh, I think up until maybe a few weeks ago, we took things like that for granted. We took a sun a typical Sunday where you might have a uh, early kickoff in the Premier League, say Arsenal against uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, West Ham or something like that, followed by usually kind of that uh, 11 o'clock Eastern time um, Premier League match. I mean, it could be Manchester Derby or whatever it may be. And we took that for granted for years and years watching those games, whether it's La Liga or Bundesliga or MLS. It's just watching games and having access to, what, a couple of hundred games a week on US television or streaming. And now we're at a point where, you mean, I think once it does come back, and yes, this weekend with the Bundesliga not having any fans in the stadium, which is which makes sense. Um, but when it does come back, I think we'll we'll feel we'll, we'll appreciate it more. I think we'll we'll, we'll actually look at it and go. You I mean actually the, the savor this a little bit more because in the past maybe we we thought okay this happens automatic nothing's going to stop this. But yeah, you you're, you're, from you going back in the day in terms of kind of uh, a lot of the those matches and at the time those were revolutionary those were times where like you know matches on a sunday you mean on television you mean god forbid but but now we take it for for granted but i think now we do appreciate it more i i totally agree with you i mean we we will see things and i'm saying this intentionally in a different way we will mentally have a hopefully a better appreciation of what we have of actually what live football means to us appreciate everything that goes into it from support staff to security staff to the merchandise sellers to vendors to everybody right and the players and the coaches because if they don't all do their job this thing doesn't work Mm -hmm. and then you look at the value that the partnership between the leagues and the tv has and what they bring to you so it will be a, a, a different a different way of looking and then they'll probably start to become a different way of viewing you know we'll we'll be looking because we're now right we're now all esports fanatics mm-hmm. well not me because i'm old and crusty and you know my laptop's made of wood um just as anyone's worried it's um we're very much into the realm of esports we're very much we need something. We need this adrenaline rush. We need this excitement. So we've gone into our laptops and unlocked or our Xboxes or PS, whatever, Playstations, and done what we need to do. Yep. And if that's the way you're used to consuming, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that happen in the way that we view our, our live sport. You know, you can take an option to have, and I think there's a few people already out there doing exactly this, you know, uh, with player tracking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see how much towards the esports end of the spectrum that our that our viewing consumption goes. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, I, a, it's, I, it's a good point because I think it will evolve. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point because a lot of people have been playing FIFA Twenty or you know, you mean Pro Evolution Soccer or you know, all these different yeah. video games out there during the break. What we have found though too is that um, right now is that live soccer, real football, is no subst- actually well FIFA or whichever video games are no substitute for live football. And I think part of it too is technology is we're not quite there yet. Um, but that's not to say that in the future that that might get better and that actually might be closer to the real thing and it might split the audience a little bit where people are watching Rocket League and then watching, you I mean, FIFA, 
FIFA 25 or whatever it is and, and f- getting more enjoyment out of that than, say, a boring nil-nil game, I mean, some play- in some part in, in Europe. But, but, but yeah, I mean, just, we, we will decide. I mean, you've got to give me a reason, yeah? Yeah. I think, I think owners of sports franchises, and, and I use the plural here, you know, it'd be the NBA, NFL, hockey, football, soccer here in the U.S., they realize their competition isn't so much the other teams. Mm-hmm. The competition is Xbox. The competition is Beyonce. The competition is movies. Netflix. Theaters, right. whatever, Netflix yeah. or whatever. Because, I mean, Netflix are going through the roof. Right. Yeah, <laughs> everyone, absolutely. Everyone sat in front of their goggle box. Mm-hmm. And so it's it give me a reason to come and watch your thing. Let me, give me a really good reason why I should step away from what I'm doing to do what it is you'd like me to do. And I think the owners are going to find the solutions and it will be interesting to see what solutions they come up with. Yeah. It's almost like we're going into a reset right now where you mean that people have been doing other things other than sports. And now all of a sudden sports are starting to come back little by little. Um, but we have to almost win back that the viewer's time or kind of uh, give them something uh, to equate to value where me that may have been watching Netflix and binge watching or doing whatever. And they're getting value out of that. So, so speaking Gary of uh, getting value out of watching live football this weekend, the Bundesliga back uh, around the world, uh, BT sports doing kind of, I, I think, I think they have live presentations of every game. They've got big, huge uh, plans for this weekend. Uh, in the U.S., we've got Fox Sports that are going to go ahead and show the games across FS1, FS2, mm-hmm. and Fox Soccer Plus, as well as get the, the Spanish language stations, uh, Tuduene and Fox Deportes. They'll be showing some of the games in Spanish. Um, the big uproar is really that uh, we were hoping and thinking that uh, Fox would come out and say, okay, I mean, this is the only sports, major sports league in operation around the world. Fox has the rights to them. Let's go ahead and put it on Big Fox, over-the-air Fox, I mean, nationwide to a much larger, larger audience. And let's take our talent, you mean, remotely, perhaps, and put them into this situation and have them analyze the game and introduce new people to, to the Bundesliga. Well, that's not going to happen. It's going to be on FS1, FS2, and Fox Soccer Plus. So uh, hopefully, again, with the world feed, we've got the world feed for the, the commentary. So um, unfortunately, it means that uh, Ian Joy and Keith Costigan uh, won't, won't be commentating these games. Um, and it, it is going to be a surreal experience watching these games uh, without any fans in the stadium. Hopefully, they'll have some sounds of the crowd piped in just to kind of add some effects. But uh, it's, it's going to be a whole new ball game. It is. I mean, what I do hope is if they do sort of stick the canned laughter, the crowd effects in, yeah. that it is sympathetic because it's going to take someone who understands the nuances of when to put it in and not just, you know, for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. You know, or you, you either do too much, you do too little, or you get the timing wrong. And so it's going to have to take someone with a great deal of understanding and sensitivity. And I'm not saying they're not around right. at all. Yep. I'm just saying it will take someone of that, that capability. Um, to address the point of, you know, Fox Sports, what's interesting is they have this opportunity to go big with it. But I think the mentality would be from anyone in the exec position at any of the main stream broadcasters are – 
we probably don't want to be the first one out doing this mm-hmm. because the, <laughs> it's it's the old uh, the old adage of the war. You don't want to be the first one over the top because they're the one that normally gets shot. <laughs> Right. Um, you know, not not to you know, people are passing away around us. So I don't I don't take that and lightly. It's that point that they don't want to be the one that takes all the flack and the heat for get, you know for potentially getting it wrong, because there's a lot of potential that yeah. it won't work. This risks, people may right. not, people don't gravitate to empty stadiums. It's we've always said for years and years and years. If we've got half the crowd and we're in a big stadium, it's like a pee in a tin can. So what we do is we'd lock the cameras off on one side of the stadium, mm-hmm. put all the fans in the other side of the stadium. And that way, when your shot comes out, your long shot, your wide shot, you've got a stand full of fans. It looks good. Right. It looks much better. So to have intentionally no fans, it's going to be weird. And it might turn viewers off. It, it could do, yeah, especially even TV viewers that are tuning in that may not have yeah. watched the Bundesliga before and they're, they're tuning in going, okay, this this is it. This is, uh, you mean, someone, you mean, it, it, watching a game in an empty stadium is a completely different experience than watching a game in, in a stadium that's packed out with fans cheering and singing and you have that, that, uh, that background noise. Um, and for the TV viewer, it's not going to be that exciting. You mean, even if Bayern Munich's winning 2-0 and it's good football, um, you're not going to have, like you said before, Gary, as far as kind of the that, that feedback where you, you hear the oohs and the ahs and, and kind of the the rise, the crescendo and, and the quiet and, and then kind of the tension sometimes in the stadium where the fans, you, you, you could tell they're, they're getting upset, but um, you mean, they, you mean they're not booing, but it, it's getting close to that. So, um, well, you can, yeah. I mean, how many times have you heard, Chris, the commenter, you can feel the tension in the air. Mm-hmm. You can feel... The commentators, by the way, are going to have to work incredibly hard. Yeah. They, they are going to... Ha- and you can't... Like a radio broadcast, you have the chance to paint a picture because you don't have the images. With a normal TV broadcast, you're allowed to sit out and allow the pictures to breathe. You're allowed these things to develop in front of you, and then you just come in, paint a little bit, and then step back out again. So it's going to yeah. take a different different style of commentary from both the, the play-by-play and the analyst to bring this thing to the right place. That's, it's, it, it'd yeah, be interesting. I mean, I, I, I can't sit there and criticize because A, it hasn't happened, and B, I'm not sure I'd quite like to be <laughs> the one doing it, although I'm always up for, I'm always up for a challenge. You know, it's, yeah. it's as simple as that. Yeah, let's do this. Let's bring it on. I mean, the chance to get out there and do your thing, fabulous. But it will be it will be a challenge, and and you know I, I'll uh, I'll applaud the guys for taking it on straight away. Yeah, I mean you look at the different extremes. You look at say uh, a commentator who uses his words carefully. That's almost like a poet in some ways. Uh, but there's definitely spells in the game where there's quiet spells, and and John Champion's a good example of that. Somebody who is yeah. very eloquent, but will use that 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 quiet space sometimes. Uh, during a lull in the game and, and not say much. And then you've got, say, on the opposite end of the spectrum, someone like uh, Arlo White or John Strong that's very talkative throughout the entire game. There's stats, there's conversations, there's stories, uh, more of an American style. And for the and yeah. for, for the Bundesliga, or any league re- really, the Bundesliga or the Premier League, once, once everything comes back, is you wonder, like, do they have to adapt their styles to for these games? Or... 
I mean, and which style is better than the other? I mean, is it better to have someone talking nonstop, or it, it, it's going to be completely different for for these for these commentators for sure? Look, I mean, much the same as with the players, and I'll mm-hmm. use the sort of umbrella term of football is a game of opinions, and that's regarding your team, your players, and the commentators. I don't like her; she's not very good. I don't like him; he's not very good either. So everybody has this opinion, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and we've all sat there and had the one-way conversation with the TV screen or with our laptop. (laughs) We've all done it, hands up, don't problem, can't see you, but we know you've done it. So the fact of the matter here is that will always be the case. Now, those that go one direction, those that go the other, we will find which one is kind of more populist as regards that. And I don't think it's a major swing in stylization. I think it's more to the point where Let's just tweak that this way. And you probably find that the producers, because if I'm thinking it, they're thinking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, th- I produce podcasts. <laughs> and I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about how this thing goes. I'm thinking about how the, what direction do I want to take it? What is my destination? How do I want to get there? What are the points that I want to unlock on the way? And producers are the same in TV. With the, even though the game, the script isn't written. You just know who the you know who the actors are. You don't have the script yet. So, so, but get, so you know how you know the style in which you want to make it. Right. Yeah. Which is going to be yeah, and, and that's one reason why too. I think with the Bundesliga leading the pack really this weekend is I think a lot. I think the world will be watching, especially the other leagues, the other clubs, the other TV broadcasters, oh. to see exactly how. I mean, how it feels. I mean, what what is it like, and how, how what do they do right? What do they do wrong? But one one of the things too, Gary, is definitely as far as it affects mics, they're around the, the field. You'll hear the ball a lot more. You'll hear the players a lot more. If back we go back in the time machine and went back to nineteen eighty three, you know what that means, Chris, and, and you guys things, are mic'd up. What 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 would we hear? A lot of language. <laughs> <laughs> but, what's the opposite? What's the opposite of good, Chris? <laughs> Bad language, but w- w- yeah, would there know. be any anything else though that we would hear? Anything else? Else, or would it, would it just be just kind of the the fighting of words back and forth? Or would there be anything else? Of uh... it depends on how the game's going. Because if the game's going really well for one team, it'll all be good, positive encouragement. If it's not going in the right direction, there'll be a lot of straight talking to try and re-steer this in the direction we need it to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll hopefully... You might hear a few uh, a few things like, I need you here. Sit in here for five minutes. I need five minutes of you sitting in here. I don't want you running off down there. I don't want you doing that. Sit. Mm-hmm. You better get tighter. You better cover me. Cover me. Cut. Mark him. Mark him. You know, all that sort of communication. I mean, you're looking... Right. Look to your goalkeepers, particularly at set plays, where you will have a lot of information being pushed around because I don't want him peeling off. I want him marked. Don't allow him to get in front. Everything like that. Mark tight. What are you marking the wrong side? Anything like that. Little small technical guides mm-hmm. as to what, what they're trying to do. And then you can look at how the, the, the opposing team are trying to break away from that. What you would do normally, but you might get a little more insight from the soundtrack of the game because there's no crowd interference as you're highlighting. Mm-hmm. You know, this will be more about allowing you to hear certain things. I mean, then be prepared for 
the uh, sprinkling of some bad language. We do swear, sorry, in advance. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> spoiler, but you probably guessed that already. Right. I mean, ho- hopefully it won't be too bad. Um, and, you know, the referee will have some control over the game. I, it, I can't imagine, for, <laughs> well, there are some reasons where it'll be a complete meltdown, but then the referee will step in and issue a card of his favourite colour. Um or her favourite colour. So it's it's a it's a situation we'll get. It'll it'll be interesting. You you will hear that you know when, when you first play the sort of FIFA games and you hear the of a player's foot on the ball every time they touch it, they touch it two feet, mm-hmm. you hear the you will actually hear that. Hmm. You will pick up a lot more of the natural soundtrack of the game, as I said, that would just be lost into the wall of sound mm-hmm. that occurs throughout a full stadium. Hmm. You'll hear people in the technical area. You'll actually hear what the coach is saying. Right. Because normally in, in a stadium that holds 50,000 people, I mean, I'm <laughs> blessing or a curse. I can make myself heard quite some distance away. <laughs> <laughs> even, in, even in a full house. Right. But you really have to be able to throw your voice and project. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, if you, if you're in a really big house, uh, that voice doesn't carry more than fifteen, twenty yards. Mm-hmm. And that now you'll be able to hear instructions, and you'll you'll pick up people's voices, and you realise that there are certain people on the field that are leaders naturally. Natural communicators that right. that will yep. come out. You'll pick, you'll pick things like that up. So yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun thing. I mean, it it might actually unlock a little bit more enjoyment for yeah, fans I think... rather than what they're because it was it's not it's something that's always there. It's just lost in the soundtrack of the noise of everything else that's going on. <laughs> yeah, and I think that absolutely that's going to be something different that we've never really experienced. Like, I mean, sometimes in different stadiums, if it's I don't know Villa Park or. Anfield or wherever it is, I've kind of imagined imagined what what it would sound like if you were sitting behind the dugout. You mean and, and being able to listen to the managers, you know, shouting and screaming and See, that would great. Hearing... The, the, the technical instructions from the coaches mm-hmm. that would be that would be great. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see Guardiola in a technical era trying to land what looks like a large plane on a runway, right, waving his arms around, <laughs> but I haven't a clue what he's saying. Right. Yeah. Now yeah. I just might. Yeah. Now I just might be able to get an insight into how he sees this game. Because I'm seeing the same game. Mm-hmm. In fact, as a TV viewer, I've got a better view of it than he has. Right, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got all of these different cam- camera angles. He's got pitch side through his, through his eyes. That's it. Right, yeah. So, it, you know, it'll be interesting if you pick up that soundtrack from the technical area. Oh, look what he's make! Look what he's making them do there. Mm-hmm. What? And then you do the detective work. What's he seen? Right. What's he seen? What happened? I'm right. not, because we're not we're not all A list coaches. We're not all celebrity soccer managers. Mm-hmm. And we watch the same game, but doesn't mean we see the same things in the game. So, what has he seen that I haven't? Yeah. That's... And why has he reacted in that way? So you you kind of drilling down into what is really making this game tick. Just, I mean, what I'm talking about here is the stuff I would do in a broadcast anyway. Right. I would always be looking for 
why is this happening? Oh, if this allows to go on, this is going to be whoops. This is <laughs> we're going to need the calculator. Get the calculator. This game's going in a certain direction. You know these sort of things that are going on, and then something's happened. You haven't seen it, and you whoa, what, 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 what am I looking for? Why am I look? Why have I? What's and you start to question, question, and you unlock the thing, the scenarios that are happening. All of a sudden, there's a formation change within a game, mm-hmm. and you work and you're trying to work out why. What's what's the coach trying to achieve by making this? alteration why is this player being pushed on in this one particular area only yep so you so what so i think i think i think, I think then yeah. gary then that the halftime analysis and the, and the post-match analysis in the studio w- would also be more interesting it should be more interesting because we, they'll be able to pick up on things as we the, the the actual listeners and viewers will will too so it should accentuate those analysis if you've got the right people in the studio who can look at those in, in more detail and kind of the, instead of the, I mean, the COCOM definitely as far as being able to look as the game's happening, but sometimes the, the studio analysts will have maybe a little bit more video to look at or a little bit more time to kind of yeah. you know, focus on something. It, it, it will also be the persona of your guests um, as to how they see it. Now, I mean, there were discussions going on about players who tackle each other, which will happen. Mm-hmm. It's football. It's a contact sport. You have to turn your head away. Are they all going to be wearing masks? What if? What if someone sneezes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Ever seen a foot? As vulgar as it is to some people, you are going to see players spit. Mm-hmm. Just seems to be a natural bodily function during a game. You produce saliva. You don't want it. You get rid of it. Right. Now... Players will sweat. It's a physical activity. You're asking a lot of your body. And, and, and you're going to have contact. How do you mark? How do you get into all of this stuff we've taken for granted because that's how you play the game? And then psychologically, how are the players going to react? Are we all of a sudden going to see no tackles? Right. Yeah. I, I, are, we, are we going to see someone going, no tackles? Are you serious? Whack. <laughs> okay i'm gonna say the obvious here you know there's one in every team right mm-hmm. yeah right and sometimes sometimes there's more than one it just depends so it, it depends it depends on how the players will interpret it how the coaches interpret it what their instructions are to them about tackling and that comes from the officials and that will then come from the league um and then how the pl- the, the guests in the studio and the, the, the commentate the play by play and the analyst interpret what they're seeing as to what will come out in terms of the broadcast. So it, I think there's a there's interest and on all levels. And I you know, I credit credit the Bundesliga for being the first one out to, to launch a major a major sports league back into this environment. They are the guinea pigs and we should be grateful for them for you know, for, for, for making this happen. But every and, and they've said, haven't they, all along that they will give all of the information that they accrue from returning to action and sharing it with all the other major leagues, no matter what sports around the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's brilliant because that's, if yeah. that helps, then that's that's. I mean, we're in that part where you know what we need to appreciate each other. We need to cross pollinate between ourselves, and we do this anyway. There's yeah. a lot of sharing of intelligence between the sports, more so than you think. You know, a lot, it's not public, but it goes on. 
you know, coaches' thoughts and understanding of their own sport has been enhanced by learning from coaches in other sports. Absolutely, absolutely. So the, the, we're looking at the Bundesliga for this weekend. So in terms of the timetable of other leagues coming on uh, on track, it looks like the Portuguese Primeira Liga is going to start at the end of May. Uh, next up after that, um, and, again, all, and again, all these are tentative dates because it depends on governments and uh, football associations and players and contracts and TV broadcasters. But the Premier League is looking at June 1st. La Liga is looking at June 12th. You've got the Turkish Super League that's also looking at June 12th. Uh, then you've got Serie A that's looking at uh, June 13th. And Major League Soccer, which is either end of June or, or June first, uh, July 1st. And um, the game plan right now, although not completely um, nailed down yet, is is to have all the teams go to Orlando, Florida, and then play within uh, the Disney Wide World of Sports complex and have the players in the hotels nearby. So it looks like, I mean, again, the Bundesliga, fingers crossed, everything goes okay this weekend. And um, they're, they're, they're taking it match week by match week to see how they're looking at yeah. it as a probation period. And I think that's the right move to make. And then hopefully things will start picking up with the other leagues starting soon. And before you know it, in June or July, we'll be watching a lot more live football, albeit behind uh, closed doors. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. That's, that's if everything goes in, in the right direction. I think what was important was the fact, um, and I think just to add to that, I think the British government have just announced that they are open to a return to, to football. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been discussions between the government, Premier League and the FA, uh, and how, how that is, you know, the viewing situation as regards the game. So there seems to be some, some movement in the direction towards games coming back, uh, but they haven't pinned a date to it. What was interesting in the Bundesliga is they said if they get a case of coronavirus, that won't shut them down. Right. Um, and, and I think that was the that was the moment where if if and when that happens, do they do they flinch? Mm-hmm. Do they do they do they back off or do they say no 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 no? Let's not panic. It's one case we can control this, and how how they control it and, and what's going on. So um, yeah, it's it, and I think those situations they're the real learning experience that everybody's looking towards. Um, uh, how, do, how do I film a live game? Well, we know that's not a problem. We can deal with that. Even if I'm, even if I'm using remote cameras, remote-controlled cameras, I know how to do that. That's been taking place for a while. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I think they, they, you, you cited the Korean League, South Korean League coming back. I think their cameras were remote-controlled. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think USL, if I'm not mistaken, were using remote-controlled cameras in their, in their broadcast for a couple of years. So that, that technology and ability to direct from a remote place has been tested. That's not an issue. The issue is if and when we get a COVID outbreak, outbreak be it one, be it two, how we react. And I think that's the, that's the thing everybody is looking at with the Bundesliga as to how they cope with that. Everybody, in, in terms of the wide sports, everybody in terms of the game of football is looking at how the Bundesliga are instructing the game to be played. Mm-hmm. How, how, how tight is man marking? How, yeah. how are we going about tackling? Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Are players wearing masks? Are players not wearing masks? How, so there's these little bits and pieces 
that will fit together to give us the bigger picture. So that's, that's another side of things that I think everybody is keen to see how that works, how that performs, what shape it presents itself in, as, as much as the, all the things we've just discussed as regards how we view um, and you know, how we enjoy it and what areas we look to, to to gain a new insight into the game, if that's what we want. And then in two more news items, uh, first up is that Netflix has scored movie rights to the iconic 1999 US women's soccer team uh, winning the uh, the World Cup, Women's World Cup. So this is a movie that's going to be uh, produced and filmed by Netflix and coming to Netflix probably next year. Uh, that'll be interesting to see like who they pick uh, right. for the, the different, uh, you mean the different girls on, on, the, on the women on the team. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what- Wonderful story, and yeah. Yeah, Brandy uh, Chastain, uh, in penalty yeah, kicks, winning it, yeah. Who plays who? I know. You know, the players are sitting there going, well, I know who I want to play me. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and it's not going to be her. So it's, it'll, you know, all, those, all of those little things that go on. So that, oh, that's good. That's good. I mean, considering... The news that we had the other week about their 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 equal pay, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that as much as that doesn't compensate for it, that would be a a plus. Absolutely, for yeah. The women's national team. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely a positive Good. there. And then one more news item. This is this is interesting. This is very different. Uh, this Saturday, LAFC, so Los Angeles Football Club, are doing something mm-hmm. quite unique. What they're doing is they're broadcasting the full ninety minutes of a radio commentary of a game that has never been played, well, never been played uh, this season, which is 100% completely in the imagination of the commentator. So it's going to be LAFC against LA Galaxy in the mind of of LAFC radio commentator Dave Denholm. So he's going to broadcast the game on Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, noon Pacific, uh, between LAFC and LA Galaxy. And he's going to commentate the game as if it's been played in front of his own eyes, and he's going to commentate the entire 90 minutes, uh, the highs and lows, everything in between, and call it as if he's seen it in front of his mind, and then broadcasting that. Okay. Um, uh, uh, now, now my head, now my head hurts. Right. Um, because, as I've said already in this broadcast, football, you know who the actors are, right? Yep. In this performance. Right. The script hasn't been written yet yeah to do this and i admire it because i admire the creativity and i'm thinking come on i'll do your co-coms i'm up for this this sounds <laughs> this sounds mad enough for me to do right um the script has to be written you've got to do, you in in your mind you already know the score mm-hmm. you know who's going to score and how they're going to score you set all this up you even know the time they're going to score because it's in your head dude You've got to have written this already. Yeah. So that that in itself is a work of art. We'll see if we like this particular piece of art or not. But it, it, as a concept, I think, yeah, it's it's a great imagination. Um, whether it works, we will see. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it should be interesting. It's, it's I mean, weird. Yeah, it, it is. Weird. It is weird. Yeah. I, I mean, um, that, 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 that's something almost like it's, it's like every childhood schoolboy's fantasy is to be, I mean, in his bedroom, kicking the ball around and it posters on, on, on the wall and in his mind commentating a game or, or pretending to be, 
you mean, I don't know, Gordon McQueen or okay. whoever right. it is. Who's, who's, the com- who's the commentator? So it's, uh, so it's, uh, it's uh, Dave Denholm, who's the uh, commentator, right. the commentator for does LAFC. Dave, does Dave subscribe to this podcast? He does. Yeah, he listens. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Dave, this is for you, dude. Direct, straight from me. Please do it lying in your bath. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. You and Mike, your imagination, possibly a script, do it from your bath. Because I think that that then gives you a, a kudos above and beyond. I mean, I like the co- I love the concept. I think it's it's mad enough for me to enjoy, but it needs to be done in the bath because that then just really ties it all off in a bow. Okay, good point. There. Absolutely. Oh, they're going to lock they're going to lock me away soon enough. Hopefully not that soon. And and then Gary, if you have just a few more minutes, we just run down some cool. uh, some listener mailbag from from the listeners. Yeah. Uh, first up is uh, JP. JP says, "Hi guys, I have to disagree about your views on people's appetite for live sports. The Jordan, the Michael Jordan documentary, is doing so well because everyone is starved of new sports content. It, it's always." Uh, it always would have been popular since it's Michael, Michael Jordan, but to the extent it's become appointment viewing is a function of there being nothing else sports-wise to look forward to that hasn't been seen already. The classic games gimmick was interesting for a few weeks, but as Christopher has seen already um, and noted about the uh, the TV ratings, we have grown tired of it. I do believe the Bundesliga ratings will see a bump provided Fox markets it uh, so the casual fans are aware of it, of course. Consider myself on the extreme end as a sports fan, so my view may not apply to all. However, um, I even watched some of the um, the esports for from MLS last week, and actually found myself enjoying it solely because the end result wasn't known. I'd probably watch a rock paper scissors tournament, to be honest. Hell yeah, I'll I'll make sure to watch the Bundesliga. Um, and pray it goes well and paves the way for Serie A, La Liga and Champions League to return too, then if that goes well, there's hope for NHL and NBA returning uh, their season playoffs at least over here. That's that's a good point too, Gary, too, because it's not just uh, the Premier League and Serie A that's watching this and the other leagues from around the world, but you've got the NFL, you've got uh, college football, you've got uh, other sports too watching this and seeing, okay, what is the Bundesliga going to do? I told you, they're the guinea pigs. Yeah. And they're being watched not just by the leagues, the, in the, the, the football leagues around Europe. Every single sport wants to see how have they done this? How have they made it A, successful or B, not successful? How ha- you know, where do we learn where to go? Where do we learn where not to go? So they're right. I mean, let's address this with the important thing first. I have played rock, paper, scissors on radio. <laughs> really? Live radio on BBC. <laughs> There's a show on BBC Five Live called Fighting Talk. Yep. On I Mondays. was on with a Canadian broadcaster over here called Greg Brady. Okay. Uh, and he and I played rock, paper, scissors. I beat him with back-to-back rock, which was just... Uh, you know, once you've played rock, paper, scissors on radio, it's not something you forget. Now, back to the, <laughs> to use a phrase from Eminem, back to reality. Um, the Michael Jordan thing, I have had my eyes glued to it every Sunday. And it's not a surprise. Duh, we know what the score was, dude. We know how many championships you've won. Yep. What we didn't know was the backstory. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that he did that and she didn't talk to him. And... He went where? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, 
<laughs> it's like the Rodman scene where uh, the coach comes in, Jackson comes in there, oh, to Michael and says, right, you know, Dennis wants to go to Vegas for 48 hours. He went, he ain't going for 48 hours. and michael was right and it's like what you you must have and and you knew that there was this there was this fabulous list of characters and it wasn't the game it wasn't sport this is storytelling this is what's got us it was always going to be a hit anyway if you if you steal the oxygen away and then you offer some oxygen back you know that some people are going to take a deep breath a lot of people are going to take a deep breath, and that's what they've done on the back of the last dance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is. I mean, watching sport is about opinions. As I said, football's a game of opinions. Whether you're talking about the players, the teams, the coaches, or how the thing is broadcast. So there's no right, wrong. There's just that's your opinion, and this is my opinion. Next up is Ricky Worthy, and Ricky says, I'm with you, Chris. I couldn't care less about uh, classic matches. I will be setting my alarm clock to make sure I'm up for every second of the Bundesliga reopen this weekend. Ratings will be off the charts. Next up is uh, Shane Rowe. Shane Rowe says, I think Bob Costas would make a magnificent uh, football commentator. I'm not sure if you watch basketball or baseball for you to be familiar with him, which which I I know who he is, but he says uh, his commentary is brilliant and dramatic. Uh, I I mean, I know the name and I've I've heard some of his work. um, Yeah, I've seen him more as a a presenter. Yeah, some of the um, other guys should come in and do different sports. And I mean, you know, there's a few of the boys back in the UK are more than capable of covering a handful of sports mm-hmm. equally as well as they cover football. Yeah. So yeah, it's a. I, I don't. I mean, unless the unless football is completely alien to someone like Bob Costa, let them have, have at it mm-hmm. because it's always an interesting way to see, you know, how they do. It. I mean. I know a guy back in the UK. He's actually the producer of Fighting Talk, a guy called Simon Cross. He, baseball, ice hockey, yeah. Give him a football game, he'll do it, and he'll do it brilliantly. So they're out there. The guys, you know, the guys, the multi-sport commentators are out there. They're more than capable. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Costa can come in and do it. And the next up is Mike Hansen. Mike says, uh, if they aren't going to use Big Fox in this situation, you know they were never really invested in the Bundesliga. Uh, with no other leagues or sports on, this is their time to shine and advertise all their properties during the game when, that, when the spotlight is on them. Just another swing and a miss from Fox Sports. And then last but not mm-hmm. least... Uh, oh, go back to that, Chris. If we go can, ahead. Chris. Sorry, yeah, go yeah, back yeah. to that. <sighs> I mean, I sound like I'm, I'm a spokesperson for Fox Sports. I'm not. But I, I look at it maybe because I'm at a distance and slightly in, in, can in a pragmatic way. Are not Fox Sports losing the Bundesliga as of, as of the end of this season? Yep, correct, to ESPN Plus, right. Right. So as such, they may have made a corporate decision as to the fact that is it then worth investing and it will take some investment from a whole load of other people and corporates, execs, to bring it into the bigger environment if they're not going to have it for any length of time. Because they may, feel, they may feel that they'll be building an audience only to lose them in five minutes' time. That's, that's a thought that I had. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm right. It's just a thought that I had. 
once I heard that point being made. So next one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a valid point too. And it, it is one of those things that uh, you wonder if they could build that audience a little bit and then gravitate them over to Major League Soccer when MLS returns and then have you mean larger audiences for MLS if, if that's possible. But, um, but yeah, yeah, a valid point, definitely. And the last question we have is from uh, Raymond Orozco. And Raymond says, how will this pandemic hurt women's investment at the club level, particularly in Europe? And um, and Gary, this is something too. I mean, we, we haven't gotten into this, but we know that the, the financial impact of the coronavirus uh, throughout world football, it's not just England, but throughout world football is, is no, enormous. And clubs are strapped for cash. I mean, I'm sure some clubs will be going out of business at, at, at different levels. We don't know who those clubs are yet until, I mean, until the, the, the hammer drops, so to speak. Um, and women's football, even though that women's football is growing, I, I think it's going to be one of those things that if a club has um, X amount of dollars or pounds available or euros in their budget and they're looking at, okay, the training academy, they're looking at the first team, they're looking at uh, the women's team, is they will have to make cuts. And it's bound to happen, I would think, that uh, at some places, some clubs are going to say, well, let's just go ahead and, and get rid of the, the women's program because that's uh, unfortunately on the on the bottom of, of their pecking order. It may well be. Yeah. As, as saddening as that is to say, it may well be. Um, we are, once we come out of this, and God willing, we come out of it, in a good shape and soon. Uh, I couldn't tell you what the landscape will be. I think there'll be some some well-known clubs go out of existence. Um, I mean, the Premier League teams might be more exposed than people think they might be. I don't know yet. We'll see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. The peripheral sides of clubs and I think it's a fair point to look at, will there'll, there'll be a, a profit and loss yep. stance taken. Yep. You know what? Does this make us money? Does this lose us money? Um, where, where do we stand to make more money? And always it'll be the first team. What costs us money? Having uh, six or seven teams in different areas, that costs us money. We don't make any money from it. Vroom. Right. Move them off. Yeah. You know, we, put a, we, we, we cut down those programs for the time being. We cut down those programs permanently. I mean, that's, that's the big deal with um, players who and the unions got, getting involved and saying, no, we don't want players to take pay cuts. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is we're in these circumstances. You take a pay cut of 10, 15, 20% or however much it is. And then that becomes established as the new normal. Right, the new reality. Yep. No, yes. What, what is 80% of your wages has now become a, your 100% wage. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. And you, you're, then you'll still be asked to, you know, to donate and do things. And some players will. Let's be fair, some players will. And I think what's happened is the unions have said, mm, why don't you pay the guys... 100% of their, of their contract right now. And if I'm wrong on this, I apologize. Just me thinking about it. That way, the government, and whichever government it is, gets a return in terms of a higher value of tax. So, for instance, if they earn 100,000 euros, dollars, pounds, whichever currency sign you want to put in front, and they're in a 50% tax band, that's 50% in. 
right? That's 50,000 in. Then you, then they make a donation themselves. Then they do that. So the government is able to continue to fund the infrastructure with high-end tax because if you, if you reduce the wages, then you reduce the tax that you're able to take out of them. And therefore, when this thing comes back, it's still 100%, but everybody's got a piece of the action. Right. Um, it's, that's one theory. Um, whether that's viable, workable, it's just a thought that struck me. Yeah. As we discussed it here. Yeah. The, and the other thing, though, too, about this is even before the coronavirus hit, is a lot of football clubs were desperately in financial ruin. I mean, you look at you know, oh. Bolton Wanderers as one example, but so many clubs are on the brink right before this. So you m- imagine what the they are afterwards. Right. Absolutely, Chris, to cut across you, look at the championship. Yeah. There, there were numbers came out before all of the leagues got shut down. The, the champ, English championship was running at an average of 107% of their turnover on players' wages. Mm-hmm. Now, I know our listeners don't need a calculator to work out how bad that is. Yeah. Yeah, I now think that, it was... Yeah. That is not a sustainable model in the best of times. Right. Yeah, because I, I think it was more than half of the teams in the championship were in... in uh, Huge debt. You mean they were, were? You mean they're spending more than the money that they had, and that was. Uh, and then you mean you mean only you know, what three clubs go up? You mean it's not half of the, the the actual championship goes up? So it's a it's a roll of the dice. It's a risk, and then yeah. some clubs feel that they have to you know, pay those amounts of money in order to be uh, contending with a chance to get up into the Premier League and to I mean make the hundreds of millions of pounds. Um, you mean yeah. however much it may be, but. Uh, yeah, so, so going back to Raymond's point is that um, there's ba- from the women's side and the men's side, there's bound to be some, some casualties, unfortunately. Uh, uh, no, it is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, because it is the growth of the game. It is the well-being and growth of the football family. You know, yeah, globally, enjoyed, right. by, enjoyed by all players, mm-hmm. no matter what gender. Yep. You are building and building and building and this this has the potential to be a major setback um because if you take away the elite level right right what do you what what's your what's your aspiration what's your target going to become we we set goals to achieve what what will those goals be um you know if you t- if you take away the elite women's game mm-hmm. you know we're talking about netflix making a movie for the U.S. women's national team and the success in 1999? Yep. 98, 1999? 1999, yep. And you are are championing that occasion. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine coming through college, those players, if there wasn't anything, if there's no elite women's football in the U.S., around the world. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's the problem. It's going way back. When you're a college player here in the U.S. during what the late '80s, early '90s, mm-hmm. say, you came out of college. Where could you go? You 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 know you were a very talented young soccer player. You had an education, but you were you know you you could play say under twenty three U twenty three U S men's team. Mm-hmm. Where was it? what was your club environment? Where could you go from there here in the U.S.? Yeah, it was uh, basically semi-professional, really amateur level at that point. With the uh, 
American Professional Soccer League, APSL, and the American exactly. Soccer League, ASL. Yeah, it was low level. Exactly. Yeah. So those players just went, okay, and they disappeared. Right. They disappear from the football playing landscape. There's nothing really for them to do but turn their back on the game unless that's, you know, it's a niche they, they have to scratch. Mm-hmm. And they continue and they continue and they continue into a different direction. Yeah, yeah. So it's... That's, uh... that's the scenario now if, if you take that away from the women's game. They're coming through college. They have these aspirations to become an elite player in an elite club. Oh, Right, right now what? I can't, exactly. I can't build a life. That's not a living. That's yeah. a, a semi-professional. That's, a, that's not going to be enough. I need a job and try and achieve this. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that in these times... Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah it, it, it changes, it, changes people's behavior. It, you mean, it changes their yeah. career course. It changes their entire lives. So... So, yeah, so hopefully Raymond and other listeners too, hopefully, I mean, there's going to be casualties. We know that from uh, the impact of this, but uh, hopefully we'll all pull through it together somehow and um, start rebuilding and and continuing to grow the sport in this country and, and around the world, really, because this is uh, this is having dramatic impacts. So, totally, so I agree with you. I mean, around yeah. the world, you're right to point out this is the global game. Absolutely. And it will, you know, it will have uh, an impact in so many places. Right. Well, we want you to have your say, listeners. So if you do have any feedback, any opinions about uh, any of the things we've covered in this show, uh, or any questions about streaming or watching games on television, any feedback about uh, Fox's coverage of the Bundesliga, which we'll, we'll be talking about uh, in depth uh, next week on the next podcast, let us know. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on the website, worldsoccertalk.com. And Gary, what, what about you? So, so where can uh, listeners uh, catch you, um, either, either through radio or just uh, keep up to date on, on all the latest things you're doing? Um, okay. Yeah. Um, if they want to come and see me, I'll be doing lots and lots of yard work. And <laughs> I can't wait for live football to come back on the TV because that is my cast iron excuse not to go out in the yard and move any more mulch dig up things, plant things, etc. Um, right, on the point you addressed, uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, please go to Star Talk Sports Edition. You will find me and the wonderful Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you like him, then you'll find him and I co-hosting with him. Um, also, Sirius XM FC, Channel 157, I believe it is. Uh, yeah, I pop up on there. Do the Grumpy Pundits uh, with Rodney, with Tommy, with Tom Rennie. So that'll be where I am. Uh, if you'd like to hear me anywhere else, let Chris know. <laughs> and sure. uh, we, can, we can discuss. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because we do a, lot, do a lot of things remotely. I mean, just been doing a lot with Crystal Palace TV recently because of uh, the 30th anniversary of an FA Cup final. Um yeah, I think Dom Fifield has got an article coming out in The Athletic okay. this weekend. Yep. And so, yeah, that's another place that if you subscribe to The Athletic, you should be able to find me. But anywhere you get your podcast should be able to find Star Talk Sports Edition. Some interesting things. We've done WWE Wrestler, Austin Creed, 
uh, a drone league racing champion, Paul Nicola, very interesting. Huh. Uh, uh, Tony Gonzalez, the former Kansas City Chiefs legend, uh, this show with him. We just tomorrow night we'll have a show going out on sports genetics. Hmm. Wow. So yeah, with with a former Stanford professor, a guy called Dr. Stuart Kim. He yeah, he's he's working. He's founder of a company called AxGen. They work in sports injury with the analysis of genetics. So they've got one or two interesting things going on. But we talk to him and uh, find out some more about the world of genetics and sport, which is really, wow. really interesting and has so much more to uh, unlock in terms of what we can know about uh, ourselves and our sports. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty deep, and, and and actually, I think for a lot of our listeners, we we love that kind of deep, uh, really kind of uh, really kind of thought provoking content. So whether it's football or whether it's science or or kind of the blend between the two, which would be sports and science. So so definitely check out that that show oh, too. Then we're perfect. We're perfect because we always say it's the point where geeks and geeks and jocks collide. <laughs> you know, we 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 find the science in every single thing, and it's not just physics. It's Every aspect of it, it might be the neurology, it might be genetics, it might be biomechanics, it, you know, it might be the data analytics, it might be the use of AI. Every facet mm-hmm. we find and bring. So, yeah, if that's for you, go check out the podcast. Love to hear you. Perfect. Well, thank you. Anyway. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, thank you for listening. And you can get a new episode every Thursday uh, on the podcast players on YouTube. If you like the show, share it with your friends on YouTube and uh, social media and give us a review on iTunes. And enjoy your football. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.